let's show a uh, team picture, if we could. Do we have uh, that going on? 39 of us went to Israel as well as Turkey. Huh? Is that exciting? The team? There you are. And this is a representative of our Home Builders Ministry, and we're taking that picture for you, just saying hello. And right behind, we're standing on the Mount of Olives right here, just so you kind of get a sense. That's Jerusalem right behind us. You're looking at the Dome of the Rock, Mount Moriah, and a lot of things happened there. Abraham bought, brought Isaac to be sacrificed right there. Remember, God said no. And uh, later, though, Jesus was sacrificed. Beautiful picture of redemption that took place in that very site. I think, do we have another picture of the team? I'm not sure if we do. The next slide. Oh, okay, so we got a map. So a little kind of orientation, just real brief. Uh, you can see Turkey up there. Oh, that's kind of cool. If you look to the north, kind of west, that's Istanbul. Then kind of straight down on the left-hand side, little thing says Izmir. So that's where we flew into Istanbul. We then took another flight to Izmir. And Izmir is the area where we spent uh, five days. And we especially toured seven churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor. The Apostle John was arrested around 95 A.D., actually by Domitian, and he was thrown onto an island off the coast of Turkey, about 40 miles out, called Patmos. And that's where he received the book of the Revelation that we have, the last book in the Bible. And he addressed that to the seven churches of Asia Minor that actually the Apostle Paul, about 30 years prior to that, established. And Paul went to the, a place called Ephesus. You're going to see pictures of Ephesus this morning. And from that center, started bringing Christianity all to Asia Minor. And so Turkey is really kind of the cradle of the Christian church. Started certainly in Jerusalem, but expanded greatly into Turkey and then eventually into the entire Roman Empire. But we started in Turkey, then we flew down to Israel. And rather than taking you around and taking time to just show you how we traveled through Israel, you're going to hear different uh, pictures this morning and testimony. So last Sunday, if you were here, I think 22 or 3 of our people shared. And this morning, I think 18 or so, 15 are going to be sharing. But let me give you a scripture here, and then we're going to pray. And again, we welcome you to Home Builders. A little bit different of a Sunday. We're just all excited about what God did. And... Uh, Hopefully a little bit, this is planting a seed in your heart, too. For you, the next time we go, we'd love to have you join us. And in 2018, Tracy and I will again lead another team. Hopefully you'll be on that, and you'll have an opportunity to go as well. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, and then we'll pray, says this about the land. They call it the Holy Land for a reason, because it's holy to God. Today, it's holy to God. Listen to this scripture. God says through Moses, but the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of. These are the Israelites moving into the promised land. Is a land of mountains and valleys, and we saw that. The topography is incredible. To get that in your mind is just phenomenal. It's a land that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from beginning the beginning of the year to the end. No other land in, in all of the Bible is talked about how, how God's eyes are continually on the land of Israel. 
And when you go visit the Holy Land, you sense God's eyes are on you wherever you go. Matter of fact, I mean, right when our plane touches the land of Israel, I mean, I start to just cry. I mean, I don't know about you, how it was for you, but that was maybe one of the most emotional moments I have. As soon as you touch Israel, as a Christian, you're home. That is where the new Jerusalem, heaven proper, will be there, Jerusalem. So you're home. That's your land. As a Christian, go there. Be there. Before you die, you're going to be there for all eternity, but how cool to see the before and after powerful. It's absolutely life-changing, as you're going to hear this morning. Now, a lot of funny things happen, and so let me tell you a few more just fun stories about when you travel with 39 people the other 17 days. I thought this was a little ironic. We're flying into Turkey, and we're being served on the airplane turkey sandwiches. I thought that was awesome. I thought Turkish Airlines has a sense of humor. And, of course, there were 39 turkeys from Neighborhood Church going there as well. The major turkey leader right here, they knew we were coming, so that was great. Um, one early morning, I mean, we're getting up early to catch flights and everything, guys. You just got a picture. This is a nonstop, nonstop, we call it the adventure. We spent 54 hours, by the way, either on a plane or in airports. We visited or pointed out, watch this, 180 biblical sites in 17 days. I had the privilege of teaching on 180 different sites, what the Bible says. So after that, the Bible comes alive. Whenever you hear the teaching of God's word now, even this morning with Larry, whenever, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've been there. And you, it, the Bible just, it's a whole different experience after you've been there. Um, we walked an average of four and a half miles a day seeing these sites. Incredible. So anyway, early in the morning, I wake up. I can't even remember what time it is. And I'm I like, and I heard this guy snoring next, you know, next to me in the other room. And I'm like, so I wake up finally, I think four in the morning. And I'm like, Trace, I go, did you hear that guy snoring next to us? And Tracy looks at me and she goes, Mark, that guy was you. <laughs> we were so tired, man. I was waking myself up with my own snoring. Okay? I thought that was a good one. Here's another one. The streets of Ephesus. Right now you're looking at this down the street of Ephesus, and you want, I'm going to point out something later to you guys. But we're down there where that crowd is, okay? And we're standing on our feet for a long time. And so I stand up, Nina. Stand up. So I, I'm, I'm with my wife, and so I kind of snuggle up next to my wife. I'm tired, and I go, I turn to her, and I go, into her ear, I go, hey, babe, you want to get out of here? And I, then I look at her, and it's not my wife. <laughs> and uh, she looked at me like, who are you? I'm just a pastor from Red Road Chapel. Uh, you know, that's all I wanted to say. And... Uh, I mean, you have some stranger come up next to you and say, hey, babe, you want to get out of here? Man, not my most pastoral moment. Here's another good one. Susie Flory, we had such a good time with her. Okay, we're in a coffee shop right now. That's Susie Flory. She's our resident celebrity. So there are like 15 of us walking by, and I go, there's Susie Flory. She's having coffee. 
So we all, I go, get your cameras out. And we run into the coffee shop and begin screaming like, it's Susie Flory! Get her autograph and pretend like she's this awesome celebrity. And I mean, cameras are flashing and Susie is like turning beet red. And I'm like, give me a pen. And all the workers in there, they're like, who is this? They're looking to peer. I'm like, give me a pen. We need your signature. Do you have anything, to, nothing to write on? So I threw my shirt up. I'm like, sign my chest. And I mean, that was an ugly part of the moment as well. And Susie, once she saw this, she really turned red. I mean, that was disgusting, you know. So anyway, one more quick story. Oh, so I was trying to tell Darlene where Ben Yehuda was, okay? Ben Yehuda, I studied in Israel for like three weeks when, like in 1985, I went there. And we'd always party at Ben, ben Yehuda. After, you know, a long study, we'd go here, and it's just a fun street with all these. Anyway, long story, I'm like, let's find Ben Yehuda. So I'm leaving, leading a group of, I don't know, 15, 20 of us trying to find Ben Yehuda. Can't find it for nothing. Finally, we find this uh, ice cream parlor, and we're just having ice cream. And I'm like, I know Ben Yehuda's around here. So I see the manager, he walks out, and I'm like, tapped him on his shoulder, Jewish guy, and I go, hey, I go, where's Ben Yehuda? I know Ben Yehuda Street, I used to come here a long time, and he looks at me like, are you serious? And he points up, and five feet away from me is that sign, <laughs> Ben Yehuda. And I was just testing Darlene to see if she could read. Anyway, some of the fun things that happened, you guys. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's great to be back. Thank you, God, for the joy there is in just being a Christ follower and walking in the steps of the Apostle Paul in Turkey and then walking in the steps of Jesus, Lord, in Israel. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we'd sense that you would walk close to our lives as we share stories and moments where you touched our lives, pictures. Um, if I have some time, can't wait to just spill out later, show a lot of pictures as well, give a little mini tour of what we experienced. But, Lord, through it all, I just pray that we'd hear your voice and that you would encourage each one here, and it is life-changing to have an experience like this. It's a privilege, and Lord, I pray that this privilege would be granted uh, to many people four years from today. They'd put it on their calendar. It'd be added to their bucket list, and they'd have an experience to walk where the Apostle Paul and John and others walked, and especially you, Jesus. So be in our time, we ask. Everyone said? Mr. Rick McKinney. Mr. On the Camera, come on down. You're kicking us off. Did you know that, Rick? You're just smiling, looking at me like I have no idea. So make your way on here. I tell you, as Rick's making his way on down, let's start with Lorraine Espiritu. Where's Lorraine at? Right here. Come on, Lorraine. Come on, girl. Come on up here. 15 on our team, Sharon. Lorraine, you, you weren't ready for that, were you? I like that. So give our folks a hand as they come up here and share, you guys. They've got a minute to three minutes tops to share you know, just on their heart. Okay, good morning. When Pastor Mark um, shared um, the passage from uh, John 21, and uh, this was about Peter, uh, and that was in uh, the Sea of Tiberias, and that's when Jesus appeared to Peter, and um, Jesus reinstated Peter, and he gave him a new beginning. And I have failed God miserably, but because of the cross and the empty tomb, I have a new beginning. And I have a new life that is abundant and free. And I'd like to share uh, two uh, passages from the Bible. And it's from, the first one is Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. 
And it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And um, the second is from uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Lorraine. All right. Appreciate that. Rick, where are you at? Rick McKinney. Rick McKinney. Where are you at, Rick? You were making your way on down here. Where's your dad at, Jessica? Come on, Rick. We need you, buddy. How you doing, Jess? Everyone turn around and wave at Jessica by the camera over there. She's going to share a little bit later. Jessica, Rick's daughter, she's amazing. Rick, uh, Jessica, how are we looking in the camera? Are we doing all right? Okay. How does your dad look now? Are you ready to honor him? We talked about that this morning. Did you like that, what Larry was saying about, you know, is she honoring you? She does. Okay, that's good. A little uncomfortable right now, right? Okay. Do we have a picture? Yeah, okay. That <laughs> this that was a life dream. Uh, to be able to be rebaptized, to uh, be able to share with the people that were with us that my faith has grown to a new level from 1958 when I was at the Graham Crusade and uh, got baptized uh, there shortly after. But now I feel that my walk with the Lord is worthy of being baptized in the place where he was baptized. And it was so special. In, in Matthew 3, uh, 13 to 17, uh, tells a story about uh, Jesus coming from Nazareth down to Jordan to be baptized. It was just so special. There's many special moments, but that was it. Thank you, Thanks, Rick. Wow. The biggest storm that Israel had in a hundred years happened the day before we had our baptismal service. That's why, you know, in May, that's why the Jordan is so right there. We call it being baptized in chocolate. Uh, normally, it's not that color. It's beautiful, so it's clear. But, uh, Rick, thank you for sharing that, buddy. do appreciate that. All right, we've got, uh, let's see, Kathy, Kathy Weiss. Kathy, are you here? Kathy here? No, she's still in the Jordan. River. We left her there. No. Okay, Jessica McKinney. Jessica, come on down here. Janet, are you here as well? Janet McKinney? Janet? There. Why don't you come up, Janet, as Jessica's making her way on down here. That'd be great. Um, awesome. Give Janet a round of applause. Well, first I have to say that this was probably the hardest part of going on the trip, and that includes all the stairs we walked, okay? So, again, in up in front of all you people. Um, my picture is of the church at Laodicea, La La and um, we talked about, Mark talked about the fact that um, the water runs from the hills, which is where it's cold, through Laodicea and down to the hot springs in the valley. And um, the, when it comes through Landosia, it's lukewarm. And um, 
John talks about uh, that in Revelation. Revelation 3, um, 14 through 16 says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these, words of, these are the words of the, amen, the faithful and true witness, the rulers of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And I just felt that this was my, my, my spiritual life, is that I don't feel I've changed that much throughout the years of being a Christian, and I don't, I don't speak about God. I don't tell people about this wonderful gift that he's given us. And throughout our trip, I was feeling that it had to be some big moment, because Mark said we all had to have this moment. And then it hit me that the moment is just small things, too. But the best thing that Jesus ever did for us, whether it's at this trip or anything, is died on the cross for us so that we can have that salvation and be in heaven with him. And I felt that kind of throughout my spiritual life is that it's not, nothing ever major like some people's. And then that just hit me that it doesn't have to be major. That's the best thing he could have done for us. So, Awesome. Thank you, Janet. We're called the walk, walk by faith, and Janet, that you've done. Jessica, where you at? Just come on here, Jess. Give Jess a round of applause. <clears throat> I had a lot of fun with Jessica. She jumped out to me all the way on a body of water. Remember that? Uh, we won't talk about that. She didn't fall, but it showed a lot of faith. I'm never going to forget that moment, Jessica. Aren't you glad I caught you? Yes. Um, this picture is where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, and um, like my mom, I haven't really had a huge moment, but this um, moment, um, I was reading through the Bible of, um, his, of the sermon, and where he's in verse chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more, <laughs> more important than clothes? And that just really spoke to me about not worrying about tomorrow because I tend to worry a lot. <laughs> and, and since I was able to see where he, spoke, where he gave this, the greatest sermon, it just really spoke to me. So. Wow. That's great. Thank you. Cool. Eugenia and Jimmy. You got to come up here as a couple. I mean, these are a married couple. Come on up here, Jimmy. Get over here, you buddy. Eugenia. Now, I want you to know that Eugenia doesn't talk very much. And Jimmy's really the talker in the room. Okay. You got it. You got it. You know, it's amazing. You have an experience like this. You really get to know, you know, each other, don't you? So hopefully, Jimmy will give you some time to talk, Eugenia. Uh, if that's the case, I should let him speak first. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> okay, well, uh, my site is uh, actually uh, Thyatira. It's one of the uh, churches, uh, one of the seven churches mentioned in Revelations in, uh, is in Thyatira. And Thyatira was a, was a city up inland about 42 miles from the Aegean Sea, and it's about halfway 
between the uh, northern and uh, southern edges of the uh, large Turkish uh, peninsula. And uh, oh, uh, there is it is on a, there is a present city, a modern city on the site, and it's called uh, Akhisar. Uh, that's the Turkish name. So uh, okay, the reason why. I like fire tire, or it meant a lot to me, is because uh, of a passage in the in the Revelations. Actually, uh, this church this church was uh, received some praise. It says uh, that for for their works, charity, and service, and faith, and patience. However, in uh, Revelations chapter two, verse twenty, it says. Uh, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Uh, so apparently there was a woman, they call her Jezebel, that's not her real name, but, but she was like Jezebel of the Old Testament, who was a wicked uh, queen who uh, pro promoted the worship of Baal, well, when you when they worship Baal, they often uh, commit fornication. That was part of the uh, worship. So uh, now fornication means could mean sexual sin, or it could mean actually worshiping other gods. There's references in the Old Testament about whoring after uh, other gods. Now the reason why that's so uh, important to me is that uh, I will share with you one of my problems or sins I had is uh, it's a mental sin, you know, lust. I never really uh, actually committed what I was thinking, but uh, all it's, it's been a problem that, that plagued me for a long time, but over uh, many years with um, many convictions from the Lord and prayer and uh, Bible reading, I've slowly overcome that sin. I still have it a little bit. I can't say that I'm completely free of it, but it's much better now. Of course, I'm a lot older, so that, that makes a difference. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, okay, now, uh, oh, it also mentions in this verse about uh, eating things sacrificed to idols. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 8, that's not really a sin unless you think it is, or if you cause somebody to eat it who thinks that it's a sin. But, uh, but, this, but, but about this uh, eating things sacrificed to idols kind of suggests that fornication, uh, in this case, at least they're thinking about worshiping other gods. Or that, that's the idea. So let's thank Jimmy. Very special. Eugenia? Now I have to prove that I'm going to speak less than him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so my picture is, it's coming up. <laughs> oh, okay. There were very uh, many special moments during the time of our trip. Uh, one of the moments that spoke to me is around the Dead Sea. And there's are for two reasons. <coughs> One is the mud bath, gonna tell you about that. The other is about the Dead Sea Scroll. Here, when we look at the Dead Sea, it's located on the western bank 
Israel and Jordan. It is 1,300 feet below sea level. Also, the saltiness of the sea is very, very high. When people would say, we can go to float in the water, it's really true. I don't swim that much. I was able to go to the water and actually float and relax. In one of the internet article that I saw, there was this woman so relaxing, she was putting on her lipstick. <laughs> Could you believe that? So after we got out from the water, we went to the mud. The mud itself consists of 35 different types of minerals. This is a healing process. For one thing, I had a little scab on my skin. And when I was able to put that mud, which consists of calcium, magnesium, and fluoride, and iodine, I could feel the mud enriching the skin. The other thing around that surrounding, around the Dead Sea, is that the pollution level is very low, the allergen level is very low, but very high in oxygen. So people who have respiratory disease can also benefit from the mud. So we were laddering on this mud, and here's the picture of our mud. Now, if you wanted to extend it, you can have your skin sunbathed a little bit longer and then wash it off. But I tell you, after you wash it off, my skin felt like baby soft. I go, Jimmy, feel it. <laughs> the second reason why the Dead Sea area appealed to me is because a mile from there in the city of Jericho is the discovery of the Dead Sea Scroll. This happened during the third and second century. It's been in these caves for over six decades. When it was discovered in the 1940s and 50s, this was a priceless archaeological find. So what Bible verse that I want to share with you is from Genesis 14.3. All of these allies came in the valley of Sittim, which is the sea salt, which is the Dead Sea. Wow, thank you. All right. We've got another couple here. Jerry and Jeannie, come on up here. The Sartans, let's give them a round of applause. Awesome. Besides all the biblical sites we visited, there were others that were just pointed out to us as we passed by on the bus. Um, Mark had someone read from Judges 7 as we were in the Galilee area, and um, we passed Gideon Spring, where God had Gideon reduce the size of his army. And in verse 2, God says that this was in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. And this reminded me that I don't have to be strong because in my weakness, God will get the glory for what he does in my life. Thirty-nine people, <clears throat> and God touched every one of them in a different way. When I saw this rock, this cornerstone, the stone from the highest place of the temple where the priests blew the ram horns and Satan tempted Jesus. It brought back the words from Matthew 4, uh, 5 and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city 
and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Sometimes you have to listen for God's whispers. Even the stones and the cornerstones cry out to validate God's word. Every place we went, it validated God's word, his truth. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. All right. Hey, baby, you want to come up here? <laughs> Mark. Well, um, this was my third trip to Israel, and um, every single time I've gone to Israel, uh, you know, I've taken copious notes and tried to recall every, you know, and just a real student. And this time, I just didn't want to drink from the fire hose because it's a lot of information that you're getting. And so my picture is uh, also on the same place where Lorraine's um, picture was. It was at the beach where Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep three times to match the three times that Peter had denied Jesus. But that beach also had three huge, like, heart stones on it. It was beautiful, and it gave me the idea to find a heart-shaped stone off of that beach. So as Mark was talking and reading that scripture, I'm looking all over the place for a heart-shaped stone, and I found one. I found a heart-shaped stone, and that's in my hand right there, and I have it this morning. But this trip, I really felt just to ponder to think on these things. And it reminded me of the verse in Luke 2 that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And that's what I did throughout the trip. I would see the just the horizon, the top of the mountains on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and realize I may not be at the same water level as it was back in Jesus' day, but guess what? He saw those same outline of the hills, the mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee, stones that we walked on that I knew that's where Jesus walked on and may have looked at those very street cobblestones. Um, Just different on the Mount, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and walking down a path that brought us down to the sea and thinking, you know, Jesus saw this very scene and I'm seeing, you know, and just it was more of that treasuring and pondering this trip was for me. So it was real special. Thank you. You bet. You want to get out of here right now, baby? You all right? Okay. Nina, come on up here. Nina Filler, give her a round of applause. I prayed, um, prepared myself for this journey, and I asked the Lord to open my heart and open my mind to show me what he wants me to see and to learn. And wow, did I ever learn and did I ever see. Uh, The first image that I remember, which must have been about half an hour after we were picked up and left the airport on our way to our hotel, is this. And um, it is, uh, this, uh, these are the ruins of St. John. And you see on the, um, in the corner there, the crescent moon. And the Lord is showing me, and um, at that moment, uh, Job 19, Job was telling his friends, 
but I know, no matter what you're telling me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I'm looking at this image and I'm saying, I know Islam at this moment is thinks they're in, they think they're in control of um, the world. They want to convert everyone to Islam. But my savior is alive and well, and he will ultimately win. And so that was my first image. And as we went on in days, and I thought to myself, what other image is God showing me? But it seems like every day, many times, there are things that he was showing me and teaching me and what have you. And I just uh, couldn't single out one moment. There were so many. And one of the things that also made a great impact on me, and that was in Turkey, um, seeing where Paul, who was obedient to the Lord at his physical um, and emotional, in many ways, the many um, difficulties and uh, tribulations he went through, he was willing to go out and witness and tell the Gentiles about the love of God, about the future that is ahead of them. And I find myself saying, Lord, I am so shy and I'm so hesitant to tell of your love. Give me the courage and give me the boldness to do so. Really great. Rita, Rita, Rita. This is the first time I've ever seen Rita without her, you know, laptop, or I should say her. She took pictures everywhere. Give Rita a hand again. Okay. Um, probably about five years ago, I um, prayed to the Lord that he would have the Bible come alive. And um, he did that on this trip. Um, just in my devotions this week alone, um, blessed me with places that we went to. And uh, my prayer was on the trip, with drinking from the fire hose, was I would remember some of the stuff while reading the Bible. So um, this picture um, was the best picture I could uh, use to represent um, one of the things that stood out to me. Um, our guide explained um, the wilderness um, when Jesus was in the wilderness and when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And I always had an idea that it was like, you know, a desert with a cactus here and a, you know, iguana or lizard or something running around, that there was something there. And um, the way he described that was that um, when God puts us in a wilderness, that um, it's barren. There's nothing there. Um, that makes sense why the um, Israelites wanted to gather the manna and hide it and keep it. And um, um, it's just, am just amazing how when you can look at it, um, kind of like in the background part of that, to where it's barren, there's nothing. And um, God puts us in those places so that we can only call on him. And um, I'm thankful for those places because those, those are where you find the Lord. Um, and just another little thing that I'm so glad that you got the Samaritan Road in there because this is where the Good Samaritan went down the road. And I saw a true servant on our trip, and that was David Gallagher. And praise the Lord. He was there when people um, needed their suitcases helped with. Um, he helped us off the bus. He kept us informed. And he was our shepherd at the end of the pack to make sure that we didn't go astray. Thank you, David. All right. <clears throat> I got a great picture, David Gallagher, coming up of you at the end. Do not show it now, Robert. 
at the very end, you just hang on. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. Tom Fleming, come on up here. Come up with your awesome wife, Marianne, as well. Come on up, Marianne. Ah, oh, this dear couple. Good morning. Um, I hope I do better uh, with this than uh, earlier when remembering my family's names. <laughs> um, this picture is um, kind of the end of the story. Remember Paul Harvey on the radio, he'd say, now the rest of the story. Um, we got to a place down by the Dead Sea where there was a spring and there was this uh, rushing water coming out of the uh, mountains and it formed a little pool and uh, it, was, uh, it was a very hot day and uh, we were all tired still and uh, we all made our way down to this pool. And, uh, and I thought I would be the adventuresome type and, and take my shoes off and my socks off and kind of wade around in the pool and flip around a little bit. And, and I thought I was doing pretty good. And uh, as I was standing there thinking I was doing good, um, a pastor's son, Luke, pushed past the crowd of us adventuresome people with their little to toes in the water and just went right over to this waterfall and just oh, like this. Well, you know, I didn't think too much of that because uh, Luke, uh, he, he, uh, he proved that there was not a body of water that he was not willing to jump into on this trip. And so, um, you know, that was, that was fine. It was okay. He's a young guy. That's, 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 that's fine. And then, uh, and then pretty soon a couple more people uh, pushed through the crowd. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I started getting a little uneasy about my position in the situation here. You know, <laughs> we had Daniel Aquino here uh, just just making me look bad all the time because, and, and Daniel comes waltzing through the water and then, oh, it's refreshing, you know. And, 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 and then that was bad enough. And then finally, two girls, <laughs> two girls, <laughs> Rita and, um, and Susie, uh, just went over there, and they're like hanging out in this waterfall, and and everybody's flashing pictures and so forth, and uh, and I'm just I'm just over I'm I'm grumbling I'm 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 not happy I'm not happy with myself I'm not I'm not I'm not liking the whole situation, and and everybody's snapping their pictures and they go and now I have a dilemma on my hands because I'm thinking, man, and and all of a sudden this this kind of whisper, the Holy Spirit or something. I think it was Holy Spirit kind of in my ear saying, is this how you're going to live your life? Are you always going to be on the fringe? Are you never going to get in all the way? And I just stood up and I said, I've had enough. And I, I walked on and everybody kind of went on their way, but I, I was doing it for me, not for anybody else or pictures or whatever. And I just kind of, I was tentatively went over and then, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in all the way. And my, my scripture that kind of came to my mind at that moment 
is John 10, 10. This thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And, man, that just came right back to me, flooding back. And I said, yeah, I want to have it to the fullest. And not just dive in the water here, but I felt that's how I handle my relationship with God, too. I'm, I'm happy sitting on the fringe with my little toes in the water, and I see other people pushing past me and jumping in, but no more. That's it. Well, my moment was kind of, um, I guess to most people would be insignificant, but um, I love birds and I love nature and um, the scripture was read in the morning on, um, we were at one of those sites, and this is Psalm 104, 16 through 18. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nest. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the conies. And what you're looking at here is a picture of um, a stork. And when we were in Turkey, in, this was in the middle of the town. They had two, like, ruins or um, pillars that went up. And on both of these pillars were, were storks nesting. And then the other picture is a picture of what we learned was a coney, um, which is another name for that is hyrax high, high or rock badger. And what was so special about this passage was this was read in the morning. And I... I, those kind of details with animals, and especially birds, because I love birds, stuck in my mind. And then in the afternoon, we saw these little brown creatures, and we said to George, our tour guide, what are those? And he said, well, those are the conies, what we read this morning in Psalm 104. And I just was so moved by that. I thought God, in, you know, in his infinite wisdom, he puts these special little details. And even though this wasn't so significant, it was huge to me because it made the Bible come alive that here I was in the very place where these little creatures that God mentioned in his word were right here. So it was really cool. Right on. Thank you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the celebrity in our midst, Susie Flory. Get your cameras out, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Get on your feet. No. I'll, I'll be mellow and just mark here. I'm trying to be under control. <laughs> Keep your shirt on, Mark. There's my photo. Um, Marianne, I love birds, too. I love birds. And also, uh, I found out there was another bird watcher on the trip, and that was Connie. And I'm a bird watcher. Uh, from way back, my dad trained me to always be looking at birds and identifying them. I love birds. Tons of birds on this trip. We'd get up early and hear birds singing. It was just uh, lots of wildlife and nature in Israel and in Turkey. So it's not all just rocks. Um, and so this was significant because there was a day where we uh, visited the Blue Mosque in Istanbul. And my roommate on this trip was Rita, who already spoke. And Rita and I were in uh, Haiti in January uh, for a ministry project. And we heard a story there, and I'm actually putting it in a book, about uh, this young woman who went into a voodoo temple 
um, to rescue a child from there. And the temple in Haitian Creole is called the Devil's House. So Rita and I kind of came away from Haiti with, I think, a sensitivity to spiritual warfare and to the things that are going on around us that Paul talks about in the New Testament that we do not see. Well, in Turkey, that's really in, in evidence. Whenever we visited one of the seven churches of Revelation, they're not there anymore. And at almost every site was a mosque, either right next to the church ruins, I mean literally within feet, or at the kind of entrance to the city. And so everywhere we went, there was this shadow of these minarets, and we would hear the call to prayer and it's beautiful and exotic until you kind of look a little bit deeper. So Rita and I, when we headed to the Blue Mosque on this day in Istanbul, it's absolutely one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, go home and Google it. It's probably the most beautiful building I've ever been in in my entire life. I'm married to an architect, so I've seen a lot of buildings. It's beautiful. But we walked in and we both had an attitude. We really did not want to be there. We had to cover our heads, which, you know, as an American woman, I don't really appreciate that either. And there was, when we first walked in, I think Rita was ready to rip off her scarf and run screaming from the, <laughs> from the building. I'm really surprised she didn't. And we were both kind of praying. And as we stepped into this mosque, in my mind, stepping into the devil's house, overhead flies a bird inside the mosque. That's nothing unusual. You know, you've been in big buildings where you see birds inside. We had already seen sparrows and pigeons and things inside big buildings there. So I looked immediately up, and I could identify it as it flew. It was a dove. And I said, Rita, look, it's a dove. And immediately a sense of God's presence overcame me. So yes, maybe we were in the devil's house, but he was in there. And the verse that came to me is Galatians 2.20, and it's about how Christ lives in us. So no matter where you're at, if you're in the devil's house, if you're in a place of darkness right here in Castor Valley, if you're in a mosque in Istanbul, Jesus is in you. He's alive in you, and there's not room for any darkness. All right. Wow. Well, I want to thank just all 39 of you guys who've been able to share. What an honor it was to spend that time together with you, those 17 days. So we've got 12 minutes or so. I'm going to do a flyby, show you some of the highlight. What could you expect to see by going to Turkey and Israel? We're going to go to Turkey and Israel again. So let's start with just a few pictures, and I'm going to show you a video, live video for each of these areas as well. So let's, uh, let's start with uh, Turkey. Let's take you to this. This is a library. I don't have time to go into all of it. What's significant about it is not the library. This is Ephesus, where the Apostle Paul spent three years ministering. Major port center. This is like San Francisco, okay, to California. Huge area. And Paul went here to plant churches. What's significant is behind that library is where they believe. They haven't yet uncovered it, but they will in the near, near future is a place called the School of Tyrannus. That's mentioned in the Bible. Paul spent two years teaching there. Remember, when Christianity was birthed, it was birthed within Greek and a polytheistic um, orientation of who the gods were. In Christianity, Stephen was stoned. He was killed. Christians are being killed because they're worshiping an invisible god. 
we were seen as the outcasts. And so Paul spent two years behind that building preaching the gospel. And I'll tell you, the gospel came like wildfire throughout Asia Minor. All these churches were planted because of Paul's ministry right behind that building. Take you to another picture here. This is an auditorium. It seats 24,000 people. The Apostle Paul stood. Well, actually, he wanted to get into that auditorium because for two hours, the God of Artemis, or Diana, was worshipped by the Ephesians. Remember that? In the book of Acts? And for two hours, the Apostle Paul's ministry was so powerful in this area, he was threatening the literal livelihood of the silversmith Demetrius, who had a market on sharing little gods figurines with people that would visit here. Remember, if you, if you like go to, you know, Florida or you go travel somewhere, you want to bring home something, right? Everyone traveled to Ephesus. This was a wonder of the world. And all of a sudden, people are traveling here, and guess what? They're being discouraged to take home that little god, that little pagan god that the silversmith, because the true gospel is transforming the community. And this whole 24,000 people standing here for two hours saying, great is the God of Ephesus. Great is Artemis, the God of the Ephesians. For two hours, they chanted spiritual warfare, demonic warfare in there. And, 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 and it was all because of Paul. And Paul's like, I want to go. I want to talk to the people. Can you imagine walking into 24,000 people chanting for their God? And Paul, it says, was held back from going into that auditorium to stand in that auditorium. And we did. We read the whole story powerful. Okay, so we, we heard a little bit about the church at Laodicea. God says he wants us to be what? Neither what? Hot nor cold? I'll spit you out of my mouth. Let's take a little video here and listen. <laughs> Believe me, this was not taken. This was a family moment here. It was not taken to like, okay, I'm going to show this to someone. Turn it up. We are in. Uh-oh. Laodicea. Turn it up. Not going to work. <sighs> That's too bad, Robert. Bummer. Okay, got to crank it. Okay, um, that's a bummer. Uh, I wish you could have seen this. I'm going to skip the whole thing, and hopefully we can show it to you maybe again because it's not going to work without that. Let me go, and go on to some other pictures, Robert, just time-wise, we're running out. Remember, that, remember Jesus said, you know, they were lukewarm, the church at Laodicea. That's the aqueduct that would bring water into this town, a very huge town, but by the time it got there, the water was lukewarm, so a, a guest who's not accustomed to that city would come in there, grab some water, ah, and he'd spit it out. And Jesus was saying, a Christian or someone who's just apathetic and indifferent is like that lukewarm water. Uh, there's another picture here. Let's go to Pergamum. This is just an epic picture, Luke and I. We were not supposed to have stood there. Uh, I was not submitting to the authorities at that point. Glad I didn't get arrested. Let's go to another picture. This guy uh, is from Thyatira. And why am I showing it to you? Because Thyatira was 100,000 people. Is that it, guys? Do you remember? 100,000? And this guy came up to us incognito and shared that he is the only Christian in all Thyatira. I was like, he, he's like, I don't, I, he goes, I've been praying to meet another Christian for four years. 
and you guys came, and he was so excited about meeting us. And, and I, I said, you're the only, I go, there's no other Christians in this town? No. I said, brother, I want to pray for you. His name's Gurkha, G-U-R-K-A. And so I, I shook his hand with our eyes open. I prayed a prayer blessing over this man. Pray for Gurkha. Um, Ahmet, picture of Ahmet. This is our guide, Muslim. At the end of our time together, it was pretty powerful. I'll tell this story just because I think there's power in prayer. Just remember his face. He was touched by our group, who obviously loves Jesus. And I asked him at the end of our trip, I said, uh, Ahmet, I said, who is Allah to you? As you pray to Allah, who is Allah to you? And he said, well, I just try to be a good man. I do good to my fellow. I go, no, no, no. Uh, that's not my question. I'm just curious. When you pray to Allah, because you pray, right, three, four times a day, who do you pray to? Who is he to you? He goes, I don't understand what you mean. And I said, well, let me explain. I go, when I pray to Jesus, he's my savior, he's my Lord, he's my life, he's my wisdom, he's my guidance, he's my joy, he's my praise, he's my all in all. He's everything. I love him, I praise him, I worship him. He's my savior, my heavenly father, you know. And, and, and he looked at me and he goes, he said, Islam is in a great need for a reformation. Which he was saying, I am in need of a reformation. It was a way to humble himself by admitting that he, there's emptiness, darkness in his heart. Be praying for Ahmet. Let me take you to Israel. Uh, a few pictures here. The Apostle Paul, going to the, oh, that's at the sea, the Mediterranean Sea is behind us. Next one. This is in a theater where the Apostle Paul gave a testimony before King Agrippa. Powerful. And the king cried out to Paul, Paul, you're out of your mind. And Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Agrippa. He goes, as a matter of fact, I want all of you who are in this auditorium to become Christians, to become just like I am, except without chains. You talk about a bold statement. Incredible. Next one. Picture, that's the Armageddon. That's the Valley of Megiddo. You're standing literally right below us is where Elijah slew the 450 prophets of Baal. And then, well, actually, he, they had the battle, you know, remember? The big challenge, you know, whose God is big, bigger, and they, you know, all of a sudden by fire, God licked up the offering. 450 prophets were dancing. Then Elisha took him down. Do you see that little green strip? That's the Kishon Valley where literally he slew him right there. And I just found it very fascinating that that is where history, as we know it, on earth will end right there in that valley. All the nations will gather together for the great day of Armageddon. And we have a picture of what God is going to do, his judgment on sinful mankind at the end of the age. I preach a series called The End. If you're curious about it, go pick it up and learn the 10 most important things that need to happen before the end, the world will end. If there's one thing the Bible prophesies, this world's going to end, and it's going to end there. Wow. Uh, what else? Next picture. <coughs> Mount Arbel. This oversees the Sea of Galilee, looks over the Sea of Galilee. We read the Great Commission here. This is where I feel, in my mind's eye, Jesus told the disciples, go there into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, right from up there, because that's where Jesus' ministry was all around. Jacob's well. Remember, Samaritan woman? The well is there. That's the well that Jesus drew water from. That's the exact well. Uh, next slide. What's that? That's Jericho. 
That is the wall, the foundation of the wall that still exists right now, Old Testament Jericho, where the wall came tumbling down. Remember? Joshua 6. Next picture. This is the top of Masada. I don't know if you can see out. Can you see far on the horizon, that little outcropping? It looks like a road. That's actually the Dead Sea is lowering. And you know what the Bible prophesies? Is that three and a half years into the Great Tribulation, Israel is going to be greatly persecuted, and God is going to protect them three and a half years as they flee into the desert. It's often been thought, how are they going to get into the desert when the Dead Sea is there? Guess what? God providentially, the sea is lowering, and there is a road now to get you right where God's people need to be. These are the same things you see when you're there, and it just blows your mind away. Here's Ein Gedi. There's Susie and Rita. They didn't want to be baptized in the Jordan. The Jordan was too dirty. So they were just like, we're going to do it on our own. <laughs> Celebrities, you know, I don't know. What, what's, Ein Gedi is where David, remember David, he, he spared Saul, cutting off his robe right there. That's it. That's the mud at the Dead Sea. That's awesome. Next, next slide, we showed you the Jericho Road with a good Samaritan. Next one. Pinnacle of the temple. I don't know if you got that, but remember the, the temple was destroyed 70 AD, right? Rome just crushed Israel. Jesus predicted not one stone would be left on another. Remember Satan took Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple? That is the pinnacle of the temple that Tracy's touching right there, the literal stone that Jesus would have stood next to when Satan tempted him. It's, it's there. Next one. These are the steps, steps literally of the temple that Jesus taught on. Remember the woman was brought to him? Committed adultery, supposedly, right there. Remember, Jesus was brought to the temple to be dedicated. He walked up those stairs. He taught on those literal steps that you're sitting on. It's powerful to be there. Next one. That's what David saw when he saw Bathsheba. That's the city of David when he looked down and was tempted and did that terrible sin. Next one. There's a tunnel that these people are getting ready to walk through. It's called the Hezekiah's Tunnel. It takes you about 35 to 40 minutes to walk through underground, pitch black. We did that, and I wanted to show you a video. Let's see if it'll work, Robert, because this video is hilarious. It's the next one. There's not one after that. This is getting ready to go into Hezekiah's Tunnel. Again, it's, you're in water up to your knees, up to your waist, and I wanted you to see this, but I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Turn it up. Turn it up. Oh. I got my flash on my honey. Okay. We're in water right now. Oh my gosh. Tracy behind me. Oh. Luca, Luca's in front. Luca. The water is coming up to Luke's rear. Luke, how you doing? <laughs> give us a give us a give us a word, Luke. Come on now. Turn around and look at me. Luke, I got you on video. Oh my gosh, it's freezing. What's the word, Luke? What's oh. the word? The word is we need to keep going. The word is Keep it together, ladies and gentlemen. I like it. I might help it if I put it on my face. I don't know if you can see me right now. We're in Hezekiah's tunnel, ladies and gentlemen. There's my wife. Yeah, I can't see when you flush that in me, in well, my look, face. It's the whole I thing. can't see. Yeah, but the video can see you. Turn the light on. <laughs> I can't see. No. Mark, turn it on. <laughs> Is that the best wife? I got Clay Guida. She's the best. Look at that hair. Mark. <laughs> Mark, I can't see when you flash it at me. I don't want to fall. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, I love it. Come on. 
Okay. All right. Okay. You can turn it off. It goes on. Then I baptize her. No, I'm just joking. So let me, I mean, this is so great. Here we get, we get halfway through this. It's an absolute pitch darkness. I tell everyone to turn off the lights and I preach on hell because hell's described as utter darkness. We're all listening. And guess what? You come out of that tunnel into the Hinnom Valley, which is the valley of hell where children were sacrificed. When Jesus talks about hell, he's talking about that valley. You go through where the city of David, where David looked down on Bathsheba. You go into Hezekiah's tunnel, preach on hell. But then we turn the lights on, and I preach on Jesus is the light of the world. You come out of Hezekiah's tunnel, and you enter into the pool of Siloam, where Jesus in John chapter 9 healed the blind man. And we preach on that. And guess what? How grateful we are. We see because we know Jesus. He's the light of our life. These are the kind of experiences you have. And I'm totally out of time. I wanted to take you to so many other places. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, do we have to go to Israel for your word to come alive? Nope. But we do need to read it. I pray if there's anything that would come out of this by way of application. You tell us, my word does not come back to me void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which I sent it. And to see it, to be in the land is incredible, Lord, to see where it was written. But Lord, we have the word of God available to us. And I pray, God, you would encourage us, inspire us to pick up that Bible and read it. There's power in the word of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. You save us out of hell. You spare us from Armageddon. You are sovereign and you are in control and you're building your church all over the world because you're the light of the world. We serve a living God. And thank you, God, for the privilege of being able to go and being able to share. And I pray that we would treasure these moments and that those that have been able to witness these moments through us would cherish those moments as well. And that your word would encourage us. Thank you for being our lights. Father, I can't wait for next Sunday for us to start our series on the promises of God. Can't wait. Pray you'd bring us back absolutely excited and thrilled about what you're going to do as we begin this new series. And all God's people said, next Sunday, we do begin a brand new series that I've been studying for the last several months. Hey, we need to show the David Gallagher slide. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Robert, are you asleep, Robert? There it is. <laughs> the shepherd is sleeping. He did his job. He, was, he took up the rear end the whole time, man. His wife says he's kind of like that, but, you know, did a great job. There's Luke just kind of, you know. Next slide. You guys, I want to encourage you. Uh, if you don't know the promises of God, wow, I can't wait. They're unbelievable. They're awesome. Next Sunday, bring some friends out. We're going to study seven of those mind-boggling, amazing promises in the Bible. That's next Sunday. Hey, there's some orange sheets on your tables. That's what our Mexico team still needs, you guys. Just want you to know about that. Have a great Sunday. See ya.